You're listening to the Tour 12 Podcast. I'm your host, Jay Heath Graham, alongside Cody Berry, and we're taking you on a 12-month tour of living your passion in business, leadership, and life. The Tour 12 Podcast is being presented by NUMA Outdoors. What is up, Cody Berry? Hey, Heath. Glad to be back on the podcast today. Two weeks in a row. We're really... uh, stretching it out <laughs> hey we're on a roll <laughs> we got a streak <laughs> technically technically if it's a 12 month tour we technically we don't have to do one a month right i mean that's what we started with and then all of our listeners were like give us more and then we became overachievers <laughs> give us more until the end of season four which i think i said we were in season four last week and then you corrected me later you did say we were in season four and then i got on the website and it said season four and i was like "Mm, we're actually season five can we fix that no it's not worth fixing it's not worth fixing because this is like almost live but not really yeah it was just a little miscommunication on my part (laughs) it's okay i was just a whole season off i have a feeling that most people are going to forgive you for that uh, small blunder most people probably expect it from me now (laughs) I'm really good at blunders from time to time. Hey, it's just part of it when you talk. It is. Over and over, you're going to say something that's not right. Speaking of talking, okay. you, you were uh, providing some humor in the office earlier. <laughs> some pre-recorded humor. And I thought it would be fitting because all of our listeners know how passionate we are about the Arkansas Razorbacks and sports. Yes, sir. Which is... Uh, we 2-0 don't, in the last two games. <laughs> <laughs> which we don't always have a lot to cheer about. Yeah. But the Hogs did just take down LSU. That's right. <laughs> and you were giving me your Cajun. That's right, man. <laughs> is that your... So give me your best Cajun. I, I don't know if I can do it now that like, we're recording. I might laugh. Speak on behalf of all LSU... I got one guy that could critique you. Oh, Kenneth, he could critique you. Oh, yeah, he's good. He could do it. But well, he is. I'm not from there, so I know, but like, that's, it's all like what I hear on Swamp People. <laughs> <laughs> but I think everybody should get to hear your best Cajun impersonation. Mm. Mm. Let's do it like this. If you were doing the opening voiceover to Church 12, let's do that. Okay. <laughs> well, why don't, while I'm thinking, because I got to get my mind right, why don't you give us your opening <laughs> I already did. The Tour 12 podcast already started. No, no, what you were doing before we we hit the record button. What did I do? This is the Tour 12 podcast. (laughs) I was working on my, I have a low. His falsetto. What is this? Is this like baritone or is this bass? Yeah, that would be bass. (laughs) What's baritone? It's like above bass. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. Just make me feel stupid right in front of everybody. (laughs) So, I'll tell you a funny story. Years ago, we were, when I lived in Ohio, my father-in-law. He, I love him to death. He's, in fact, he, I mean, one of the best guys I know. And uh, so he was visiting us in Ohio, and we were driving down the road, and it was cold. And I wasn't trying to be a smart aleck. I wasn't trying to be mean, but he was like, man, somebody should come out with this idea of a container that can keep stuff hot or cold. And I said, yeah, but it's called a thermos. <laughs> we talk about that all the time. I was, like I said, I wasn't trying to be rude, but it so, came, came out like that. You know, we're so glad you're on the 212 podcast. <laughs> and uh, that sounds kind of like Rocky. Yeah, I think I was like Balboa. <laughs> yeah. Like, Yo, yeah, drink a little Cajun seasoning on the podcast. <laughs> and it'll be really good. <laughs> you see, I told you I couldn't do it when we that got was, live. That I, wasn't bad. I mean, it wasn't good, though. But it's better than I could have done, though. I don't know. I mean, you are the voiceover specialist. I don't know about that. 
you make it sound way better than it really is. Um, I think that's got more to do with it than. I don't know. I, mean, I was actually. You talking, do have to have that. What it, what do guys call it? The Jesus voice. I don't know. I don't know what I call it, but you make it sound better than it typically does. Well, I appreciate that, Heath. I had a guy the other day that uh, I was talking to on the phone, and I hadn't talked to him in forever, but he hears commercials, I guess, on TV all the time, mm-hmm. and he goes stop talking i want to hear the commercial voice like while i'm on the phone i'm like this is it man cody just makes it sound really good so he he told you to stop talking and give him the commercial voice yeah that's what he told me i ain't talked to him in like a long time and and i guess he'd heard a bunch of commercials or something so that's really funny i guess i'm the like i said from the beginning cody i'm the face for radio <laughs> Not the model, but I can be the face for Eddie, if I guess. Everybody's got to have something, right? Yeah, I mean. You got a lot of things. Um, that's really my only claim. Is the voice? It's just, I guess. Does I'll just, Christy ever say, talk to me in a deep voice? Baby? Oh, yeah, you know she does. <laughs> can you bring me an M&M and <laughs> hand me a Skittle out of that beard? <laughs> Man, that is a true story. I know. I think it's hilarious. So... Just for the listening audience, it wasn't too long ago. This was pre-trimmed beard. I have trimmed it back about three inches, you three think? or four, maybe yeah, three or four. It's quite a bit. I short. cut all the see-through off. <laughs> That's hilarious. <laughs> was that like the unhealthy part of the beard? Well, I don't know, but the, the lady was like, "You want me to trim this?" And I was like, "Yeah, I'm thinking about cutting it back anyway." And she got the scissors out, and then she got nervous. I was like, you've trimmed beards before, right? And she was like, yeah, but not one this big. And uh, so she's like, what do you want me to cut? And I was like, just cut anything you can see through. (laughs) (laughs) So she cut off anything she could see through. And then I decided I was going to keep it. Because I really was fixing to cut it off. I know. You told me around Christmas that you were going to cut it off. Yeah, that's all my wife wanted for Christmas. So, so take me through the process. I gave her part of that. (laughs) take, Take us through the process of how to give a gift partially <laughs> well, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Well, like, I did. how did you convince her that well, cutting a little was okay well, it all starts with a positive attitude okay so that's point number one <laughs> this is your takeaway so this is so <laughs> can you say that in the radio voice please <laughs> it all starts with point number one the positive po- attitude <laughs> I'm going to put some real big effects on that. So really what happened was, so she's like, I just want you to cut that mess off. And so I've had it, what, I don't know, two oh, years, yeah, three quite now? a while. I don't know, three. I, I started back, I don't know, two, three years ago, like in September, I think, because I was prepping for No Shave November. In September. In September. He wanted to win that competition. And, and then, uh, then I just let it go. And it got big after about a year, probably. Yeah. Maybe a little more. And then... Um, I just kind of let it go wild, like mm-hmm. didn't cut nothing, and I didn't even know there was such thing as beard dead ends and all. It's yeah, and then there. he gets a brush and <laughs> goes to town. Cody yeah. get mad at me for combing it during the office. <laughs> oh, we're recording a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to grow my beard out, yeah, and I got it pretty long. I was looking at a picture the other night, and it was pretty long. But my problem is, I have a, a skinnier face, and. So it made me look like I had a really long face. <laughs> so I keep it trimmed back. So back to the Christmas story. So she wanted me to cut it, and I was going to cut it. I was holding out till Christmas morning, though. <laughs> I mean, I was holding out as long as I could. Were you going to like walk out and surprise her? Yeah, you? that was kind of what I was thinking. Yeah, but I knew my kids didn't want me to shave it because it's like culture shock when you walk in. My dad did it. Oh, had yeah. a mustache my whole life, then one day he showed up without it. And I'm not going to say what I thought he looked like. It was not good. 
it would be to change the podcast to express it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I'm thinking. <laughs> like, oh my gosh, I'm gonna, <laughs> I'm gonna remember that for the rest of my life because that's well, funny. I did remember it for the rest of my life because yeah. it scared me to death. Yeah, I was like, that is not my dad. <laughs> anyway, I had slowly started prepping, cutting back just like a centimeter at a time. <laughs> some of the underbrush just kind of cutting it off <laughs> and I was prepping and then she was like you gotta go get a haircut cause yeah. shot shows coming up and all that you need to look halfway rip, you know presentable so I went to get my haircut and then when she trimmed it back and I told her I said just cut anything you can see through and she got done and she was like hey that looks really good yeah positive see there, there? that's when I spun off the positive place when I got home I was like, babe, what do you think? She goes, that actually looks pretty good. Yeah. And I was like, oh, I got her now. Yeah. Reeled her in. She liked it? Well, I don't know about liked it, but she liked it better. Than it was. Than it, Did you shape it up or anything? Like, do any of that? I mean, a little, but, yeah. you know, about my shaping yeah. protocol. <laughs> <laughs> it's about, like, my body shaping protocol. It gets yeah. a little lost every now and then. I told Heath earlier today that... I eat peanut M&M's on leg days. Because, you know, you have to work harder on leg days, bigger muscle groups. Right. You need more calories, and that's the day I feel like I can eat peanut M&M's. And his reply was, I do too. <laughs> <laughs> My problem is, this is uh, opening up, I'm confessing here. I don't, I don't worry about much of anything. But every now and then I do worry about perceptionally, not me. I don't really care what people think I look like or whatever because it really don't bother me. But the only time I do can get concerned a little bit about it is when so my wife is the director of tourism first city she's all up into politics and local stuff you know mm-hmm. and so from time to time she needs me to go to events with her yeah and i do from time to time i'm like babe i don't know if you really should take me to that i don't know that i look representable or presentable <laughs> to your audience <laughs> she's like whatever they know what you do yeah but i still feel I mean, I don't worry about much at all. You know that. Yeah. But that's the only time I'm like, eh. All you got to do is put a suit and tie on and put a little slick in that beard. You're good to go. You know what I really want to do is is go Captain Lou Albano. You remember him? No. From the wrestling days when we were little. Okay. He was the guy that did all the rubber bands in his beard and he wrestled. <laughs> Different links and stuff. Oh, yeah. Just anyway. That's pretty funny. We need to catch people up on a few things that are going on. Okay. Because we left them hanging last week. We did. So, spill the So, beans. before we get to the conversation, there's a few things been going on. We're producing another show yeah, called another Storytellers. Podcast. Oh, yeah, a TV oh, show. Oh, and a podcast. Digi- a digital series. Yeah, so we started, uh, we're in, well, I guess, year two now, yeah. working with Texas Trophy Hunters. It's been an absolute blast. Yeah. We've had the opportunity to present a new digital series called Storytellers that's mm-hmm. went over really well. Yeah. It's been on Waypoint, and, and it's obviously on YouTube, too. But that's been a lot of fun. But then on top of that, we've got another podcast going on. Yeah. The Voice of Texas Hunting. That's what it's called. Let's think about this for a minute. Texas Trophy Hunter's been around a long time, and we're not from Texas. I actually um, lived there for quite a while. You did. Yeah. I, I'm my bloodline is from Texas. Yeah. My mom was from Texas. Yeah. I put it all together one day. I had to go ask her some questions. I was like, "Why do I love Texas? There's got to be something besides <laughs> just got clients there." Yeah. And I learned that my mom is from Texas and lived there forever. And she told me the whole history of the family. Where did she live in Texas? I don't remember. I lived in (laughs) Amarillo. It was some little bitty. It wasn't like a major city or nothing. Yeah, that's cool. That's how much attention I paid to the conversation. (laughs) You just knew there was a correlation. I just knew it was in Texas. I lived in Amarillo, Waxahachie, Kaufman. Thanks, son. You've been around. 
Where else have I lived in Texas? I think those are the only places. How many times have you moved in your life? Oh, I'm 40 now. I think I've probably moved 20. Really? (laughs) Well, between growing up, you know, like we moved. I was born in North Dakota, then we went to Texas, then to Missouri. Right. So between all that and then I would say probably 10, maybe 11 times I've moved in my lifetime, maybe 12. And then if you count all the houses that my wife and I have bought and sold in the towns we've lived in, right. maybe 15. And I don't want to do it again. I've moved quite a bit. I don't, I don't know if it's up to that. Between college, I think I moved once, twice, three times maybe growing up mm-hmm. prior to being uh, in fifth grade. We ended up moving to a farm in Conway, which is just down the road where we live, um, and lived there till college. Then I moved. Then I moved few times after college but i don't know i was just curious well, i thought you might have moved a lot so i was curious how many times you might have i moved. mean i would say probably 15 i wonder what the average move for i think it would depend the human race <laughs> <laughs> well i think it would depend on the field of study or field of work that right. you're when you're young when you're what your parents are in so like if you're in the military then there's a chance oh, you yeah. move a lot yeah if you're you know different fields are people kind of stay steady or whatever so i think it would depend a lot on that yeah so and then if you play college football every year that you don't get to play you just enter the transfer portal (laughs) (laughs) you go somewhere else i was thinking about that the other day i was relating it back to marriage okay (laughs) it don't work like that yeah it does for some people though i mean it's not right though they just throw throw themselves or their wives or spouse in the transfer portal oh lord (laughs) that's kind of the way some people view it i think i I think you're right that's what i told my kids i was like don't date until you find somebody you think you'd want to marry yeah because it's like the transfer portal i didn't say it like that but i I did it is like that it's kind of similar it's the way people treat it anyway yeah which is unfortunate i read the other day um, that the average that marriage doesn't actually really get good and selfless, mm-hmm. you know, where you're really thinking about the other person until year nine, and most most marriages don't even last to that point. Wow, to where it get, actually gets good, you know, or, and selfless. So we're thinking we might have a chance, huh? I mean, this we, year is twenty for us. Yeah, y'all are what twenty two this year? Yeah, I think so. That's and, awesome. then we, and then we dated three years, so. so dang. We've been together like a long time. Yeah. I don't know how she puts up with Shoot, me. I've been loving my wife since I was five. <laughs> <laughs> That's a true story, bro. Really? Yes. You I'm, knew at five years old she was the one? Well, I wouldn't say I knew she was the one, but we met when we were really little and our families were friends and I was like, man, she's hot. Y'all was in there playing doctor. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> you creep. You playing operation. <laughs> <laughs> you creep, man. <laughs> A creepo. That's funny. No, for real, I did like her all through high school, and she treated me like a brother. Yeah. And so we didn't ever date until I moved away, and then um, it all worked out. So It's kind of like Saved by the Bell then. <laughs> you remember that show? Yeah, I do. Everybody was kind of just friends. Then it was like friends with benefits, and then it yeah. was like. Yeah. It was a good show. <laughs> I mean, I guess. I mean. It's not still airing or nothing, but. <laughs> I mean, it aired for like 42 seasons. <laughs> it did make and it. And they had the college years. It did make it a long time. <laughs> That's funny. I'm, uh, well, I ain't going to go there. About, because this has nothing to do with what we're talking about today. Um, 
Let me ask you this, though, about that show. Why do you think it made it that long? And even today, like my daughter is 18 now. Yeah. And the show's been off the air for a long time. But she loves Say by the Bell. Really? And my kids, my other boys do too. That they, it's entertaining. Yeah. Why do you think it has made it as long as it has? I think this is just my guess. Is it was entertaining for one, but it was very relatable. Mm-hmm. Even though some of it was blown out of proportion, it's kind of like Cobra Kai right now. Ooh. Do you like Cobra Kai? I do. But it's so dumb. If you really I think will about tell you it, this that um, the guy who plays uh, Daniel. Yeah was a way better actor when he was a kid. <laughs> <laughs> he ain't that good now. Like, I, I, I shouldn't have said it's dumb, but what I meant was, like, a lot of it's so blown out of proportion, it's almost like watching the Kung Fu movie back in the day. Yeah, like, sure. You knew it wasn't real, but for some reason, you keep You're watching it. it. Like, yeah. I keep watching it. And I think the, the stuff that goes on within the show is so relatable to what goes on in, in the real, real world, especially yeah. at that age, you know. Um, even though some of it's kind of joking around, a lot of that stuff's very relatable mm-hmm. to the world we live in, where everybody's yeah. going behind each other's backs, or you yeah. know what I mean. People deal with that kind of stuff. Yeah, all the there's time. real storylines in, yeah. in a fake story, yeah. and it makes you like correlate what's happening in that with something that's happened to you, and so then you, yeah. you're like, oh, I like it. And Cobra Kai's kind of like Say by the Bell was. It's yeah. like who's going to hook up with who next? So yeah. there's always that that mystery. I got another confession to make. Oh no! <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> this is funny. Rusty, our good buddy Rusty, right? He has Netflix. Yeah. And the last time we were a couple of times ago, we were down at his place in Texas doing some filming and stuff. And I had to sleep in the living room on the comfortable mattress that right. he has. And we had gotten rid of Netflix, and so we we actually still don't have Netflix because right. we were finding ourselves watching Hulu. And, right. But I really want to watch Cobra Kai. Yeah. And he had it. And I stayed up all night watching that You watched that the thing. whole deal. Binge watched. <laughs> and then we went and filmed the next day. I haven't told anybody that. I also went and ran four miles that, that morning, too. So you were dragging that day, but didn't really want anybody to know. Nobody knew. I didn't know. I you, know. You did well. Anyway, <laughs> while you're listening to this, we're probably at SHOT Show because it's SHOT Show week. Yeah. And we're back in Vegas. Yeah. This is my first time, so I'm pretty excited. Yeah. It's a, it'll be interesting. You know, ATA was down quite a bit this year. Yeah. We didn't actually attend because we were going to shot. Usually in the past, I've been, I went to both of them, but um, just for whatever reason, this year, we're just going to shot. Yeah. Um, well, we got quite a few things that we're trying to stay on top of as far as projects and managing yeah. different things. And so it made most sense because all of our, a lot, almost all of our clients would have been at both, right. you know, and so for us to just choose one this year and go accomplish the same thing by just going to yeah, one. Yeah, it kind of made most sense this year. I'm looking forward to it. It's a, always a good time. I'm interested to see traffic-wise, you know, they said shot was down 50 to 60% in mm-hmm. attendance. Um, I think there's probably reasons for that. I had a conversation with a guy yesterday, actually one of our podcast listeners, and um, he said, man, it kind of makes me nervous for our industry. And I jumped back quick. Because I don't really think it it has anything to do with the state of the industry as much as it does. I think people missed a year because of COVID at the sh- at the trade shows, and mo- and it, if, if anything, COVID's probably drawn, drove our industry up because it's yeah. it's extracurricular what we do. Yeah, and it's outdoors, and, and it's that's outdoors. something that they're and so I, re- encouraging people to do yeah, if they're going to do anything. You know, I think my take on it is I think people that have spent all this money at trade shows realized in the year of COVID that maybe I don't have to spend all of this to get the same return. Right. And a lot of, a lot of people, even clients we talk to, if we ask them what's the return for you on, on a trade show, a lot of times they can't give you a straight answer. Yeah. 
because they don't know. So I think that's the biggest reason why um, maybe some people backed out mm-hmm. of SHOT Show or ATA this year. And some SHOT. And right. some some companies have backed out of SHOT Show, but I think it's more to do with that than the industry being in a bad state. I agree. I mean, this goes all the way back to a conversation that we had in February, I think, of 2020 when they were beginning to shut stuff down for COVID and um, or that maybe they had already shut stuff down and me and you and B were talking about what that's going to look like going forward. And one of the things that we had discussed that day was that this is not having to have people in a brick and mortar yeah. to accomplish. They could do a lot of the same things with less overhead and yeah. less expense and then still accomplish, you know, the goal that they had and it, end up making more money because they weren't having to spend that. And it's probably very similar, yeah. you know, in this people aren't going to shop or ATA or whatever, because they were able to get the same thing done without yeah. having to spend that. You know? That's my take on it. I think that's, we'll see how it goes moving forward. Um, it's tricky probably for people that run an ATA because it is, I mean, that's their bread and butter, Yeah, but they're going to get creative and figure out. Yeah more reasons for people to be there i think right um and yeah. hopefully they will because ata is a great show shot show is a great a great place to be well it's um, always good when you can get together with other yeah even though that might be competitors across the aisle from each other it yeah. spurs I've, I've always said competition is a good thing yeah. you know it spurs creativity yeah. it spurs people to be better and do better if yeah you know if you're in this if you're in this field and the person across from you <clears> is in the exact same field of you know yeah equipment or whatever if you look over there and they got a whole bunch of people you're gonna think how can i have that next year and if yeah. it's you know creativity yeah. may or yeah. competition makes well, and, and then just on top of that it's, it's just great to be in one place with so hunters many people and, yeah. hunters and business people and people that are in our same space with right. in the industry we talk to people all over the country year round but there's very few times we get to all be together. Yeah. And, and I've got friends that are, I should just call them trade show buddies because that's the only time I see them. We, we may talk off and on, but right. it's the only time I see them is either ATA or shot. So it's good to catch up. And uh, we're looking forward to that. We've got a few meetings while we're there. Get to see some new stuff probably coming out. Yeah. And, um, that's one of my favorite things is new innovation. Just seeing it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's a big show, man. Shot show is huge. Yeah. And it's going to be fun. Last thing before we get to our topic of conversation. Hold on, I gotta scratch my hair. <laughs> hear that? That was not the beard being brushed. That was not that was my ear hair. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> Just kidding. Anyway, so I wish I had a gong on here. You would have gone right there. Shut yeah. up. That means moving on. So next week, I've been looking forward to this one, Cody. We're gonna start something new. Not okay. another podcast, because we don't need to do yeah. three podcasts. No. Who's plenty, but I have joked. You know, I've joked around about having a podcast called The White Tail Gospel, right? Where the truth is always changing. <laughs> <laughs> so solid. So I think what we're going to do is instead of having a whole another podcast, is dedicate um, one week. week, one week a month, and we're just going to have a White Tail Gospel conversation. Yeah, just about tactics. Yeah, tactics, ideas. hunting, um, maybe some gear. We're gonna get B in here. Yeah, he'll be here next week with us. And the entire podcast will be geared towards talking deer, and that's cool. I think I, I, I really think like fun. that. I'm excited about that, particularly because you and Brandon have both been hunting way longer than I have, and even though I've learned quite a bit, you know, through my years of hunting, yeah, I still have a lot to learn. I think a lot of people oh, who hunt a lot have a lot to learn 
from people who have land that are managing it or people who are really big into gear or there's always something to learn. And so yeah. I'm particularly excited about that. Yeah. I think it'll be fun. There's, there's, we joke about the truth always changing, but there's actually some truth in that. Yeah, sure. Because everybody's got different strategies and what works for one guy may not work for the other yeah. guy. Or um, one guy might think this is the only way to do it. And the other guy yeah. have a completely opposite way of doing it. That thinks that's the only way to do it. And yeah, Sometimes it's good to hear from both sides of that. Oh, yeah. Find the hybrid in the two, yeah. you know? Yeah, it'll be fun. I've got questions, too, and I think having B on the conversation, B is a, a very smart individual hunter. Right. I've learned a lot from him. And uh, But even, even and B will tell you, even as much as he knows, like this year he called me one day. because <laughs> man, I don't even feel like I know what I'm doing anymore because <laughs> it was just a brutal time of the year right. trying to get a deer killed, and it happens. And so I think that'll be a lot of fun, something we can do monthly. I mean, we talk about hunting at some point. It every seems day. like at least, yeah. at least every podcast it's brought yeah. up. But this one will be geared more towards not so much leadership. It'll be more um, specific to deer hunting and what we found that works. Yeah. We might even have some other guys in on the podcast. Yeah. I think it's a great idea. It's going to... It'll be fun. Yeah, just bring some diversity. I love we're talking deer, about man. Too. You do love deer. I really do. Yeah. Like, I probably need to turn off my cameras because I'm borderline done with season. Not quite. <laughs> but my cameras keep saying, you, there's still a chance. <laughs> <laughs> there's still a chance. Saying there's a chance. <laughs> That's what I feel like. <laughs> That's funny. i tell you what I am getting pumped about is... It's January, Cody. You know what that means? I mean, it could mean a lot of things. <laughs> this is what it means for me. We're just a little bit closer to fishing season. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Man, I'm getting pumped about fishing season. Yeah, I always like to do You know why? Why? Because fishing a tournament this year. Really? Now, beef fish a tournaments all the time, but we're fishing a big one. Do I need to come along as a camera guy and film this whole thing? Actually, I text Matt uh, with Strutt and Bucks earlier, and I said, hey, man, because he has a place up on Table Rock. And I said, we're going to be up there in, I think it's in June, I believe, like the 11th or something like that. It's a lose strike king yeah. tournament. I said, we're going to be up there fishing this tournament. You need to call Cleed and get you all a boat and come fish. Yeah. He goes, better yet, we could just borrow B's boat. And we'll just come follow y'all around, and you know what that means. I said, I need you to record that conversation with B. Yeah, please do. You and Cleed have, that have not ran a bass boat, you're going to borrow <laughs> B's boat. First of all, B's going to be like, number one, we're taking my boat. That's what he's going to say. So, my so boat. you're going to wind up loaning your boat out. Yeah, that ain't probably happening either. <laughs> but anyway, it's going to be a fun year. I told B earlier, I said, hey, man, you have a stout partner on this on this tournament and he goes so you're saying i need to go ahead and go up there and pre-fish yeah that's <laughs> like, funny. meaning without me yeah that's what he was references is like i need to go figure this out for us is that what you're saying <laughs> i was like no dude i'll go with you <laughs> that's so anyway funny. anyway topic of conversation today cody yeah so um you actually came up with this idea something that you get a lot of questions about um as a the vice president of the marketing firm <laughs> And <laughs> that's another funny thing. <laughs> that is. A you may tell them. Sure. Okay. So we were, we were, uh, we're real big on titles around our company. Yeah. Obviously like, you can tell. <laughs> and, uh, Cody, the producer, man, <laughs> real official. <laughs> so we had to get some business cards made for shot. And, um, me and Cody got in a little, uh, hysterical 
commentary about what are we going to put on here for titles. Yeah. I said, I don't know. You have, it. <laughs> you have to have some titles. And so Cody, ladies and gents, Cody is the new director of operations for Expedition Marketing. That's right. The baby. DOO. DOO. Get it, dude. <laughs> <laughs> the dude guy. The dude guy. Anyway, that's I told funny. my wife, I was like, you know, probably the more um, common terminology for that would have been chief operations officer. <laughs> yeah, but we needed something that was unique. And she said, she said, I like chief. <laughs> <laughs> she probably does like chief. That's fun. Obviously, y'all, she does like chief. I got five little ones running around. <laughs> they ain't all little anymore. <laughs> anyway, uh, back to topic of conversation today. I do get a lot of questions, and me and Cody were kind of brainstorming what to talk about today. Um, I wanted to kind of just play off of questions that we get Mm -hmm. when it comes to success in our line of work. Um, And we'll talk kind of specifically from a creative standpoint. We'll talk, (laughs) whatever that was, (laughs) we'll talk uh, specifically from a creative standpoint, kind of the conversation based around what we do day in and day out, kind of maybe a little bit of how we've got here using some of these principles, if you want to call them that. Yeah. but the things we're talking about could apply to whatever line of work you're in. Right. A lot of it could. I think there's a lot of crossover. I think principles, for the most part, are like that anyway. Yeah, no That's matter what, what, what it is. Yeah, there's there's something that you can apply to wherever you're at, and it'll make you better. Yeah, so I was just kind of thinking along the lines of if somebody said, what are the four or five things I need to be doing to to be successful in in the line of work you guys do mm-hmm. um what would those things be and so that's kind of the the direction we want to go and yeah we, we can give a little backstory to it if we want um i don't know how you want to take this on cody but well i think you know normally we don't do a point number one or right. point number two kind of podcast it's really conversational but i think that like you already said these are going to apply to the line of work that we're in and a lot of people want to be in that but it will apply to everything, yeah. Whatever line of work, whether that's a CPA or a, um, I don't know, a restauranteur or whatever. A, These what, a restauranteur. That's somebody who owns restaurants. I learned something or, the other day. Um, or a mouseketeer, if you want to be on Mickey Mouse. I mean, <laughs> these are all things that. <laughs> uh, there's a funny backstory to that too, but we won't go there. Today. We are good at rabbit trailing. Yeah. But anyway, I think they'll all apply. And so typically we don't do uh, the first thing that we've learned kind of, you know, one, two, three, four, five. But I think that this would be a good one to do so people can really have some clear note taking points or things that they want to remember, you know. So why why don't we just go through that? What's one of the first things that you think you have to do to be successful in the creative industry or any other industry for that matter? Well, all I know to do is to go by how how and by no means have we arrived somewhere mm-hmm. life's a journey business is a journey and that's part of the fun of what we do is i don't know that there's ever an end goal um but from a from personal experience and you can probably speak to this too and i've I just jotted a few things down here and and these are in no specific order but if i relate it back to my own life and and it started with having a goal mm-hmm. um and the goal for me was to, I didn't, I didn't, and don't take this the wrong way. If, if somebody's listening that does a job they don't like, but personally, I didn't want to be in a line of work that I didn't thoroughly enjoy. Right. Um, and so the goal for me was, I knew it was kind of twofold. One, I knew some way, shape or form I wanted to be in the outdoor industry. Um, 
and there's a whole backstory to how that, which we've talked about on previous podcasts in the early days, probably like season one. Yeah. But um, matter of fact, if you were to go back, what was it, Cowboys and Creatives, when me and B, we did a podcast in the early days about that. And it kind of gives a little of that backstory if you ever want to go hear that. But I wanted to be in the outdoor industry um, and I wanted to do creative work. And so for us, that that's just quick reference, that started through strutting bucks and just kind of playing around, having fun with a TV show. Um, but it is what was the, the guinea pig, so to speak, to give us a chance to create content, create video photography um, that has led to the opportunity we have now. So I think no matter if you want to have success in, in doing something you love, you've got to have a, at least some sort of like, I don't, I wouldn't say we have an end goal, mm-hmm. but partially in theory, we've, we've reached that as far as getting to a place where we can make a living in the space we want um, and doing things that we love every day. So I ask people all the time, where, where do you see yourself in three to five years? Yeah. Um, and I think that's a good, healthy way to kind of create some dialogue in your own mind and create conversation with people that you're around day in and day out mm-hmm. is where do you see yourself in in three to five years, you know? Yeah. I mean, we could ask ourselves that. Um, we're, at a, we're at a very steady place in business right now. We, we're loving what we're doing. We're growing. We're, we're growing with personnel. Um but it all started with with somebody having a goal to get somewhere, right? And and to do it and make a living doing something you absolutely love. So for me, th- that's where it starts. Yeah. And again, these are in no order except for maybe that one. Yeah. Like you got to have a goal first. It's like when you go somewhere, you got to have a destination in mind. If you jump in the car and just take off driving, yeah, you you don't know where you're going to end up, and it may be an awesome place when you end up there. But it may not be the place you meant to get to, you know. Yeah. And so years ago, I heard the acronym for setting goals. I was in an organization that was all about leadership, and it was all about trying to help people set, you know, goals. And they always taught us this uh, this short acronym for setting goals: create smart goals. And that that specific that meant you want to create goals that are specific, that are measurable, attainable, relevant, and timely. You yeah. know. So. I think the three to five year range is very attainable. You know, Absolutely. three to five years passes by quick. I mean, we're already almost to February yeah. and it just turned, you know, like it just went fast. So be specific. If you want to lose weight, put a number to it. Yeah. If you want to, um, you know, hire employees, set a goal or, you know, like set a specific goal. What is it you want? Do I want 10 employees, 12 employees? Do I want one, you know, be specific in your goal setting. I think that that's, pretty good yeah you know absolutely do something that's measurable i always um on some of the teams that i've led i've always said you can't grow what you don't know you yeah. know and so set when you're setting goals do something that's measurable something that's attainable if it's so lofty that you can't do it you might get discouraged and quit yeah you know? for sure relevant and timely i think they'll speak for themselves but the goal is important yeah absolutely and for our notes sake, I probably threw you off there because, again, these were in no order. Yeah. But when I looked at my notes here, I was like, that probably could be the yeah. first one, He said one. they're in no order, and I said, well, I'm going to number them <laughs> just so we kind of have an idea. And, I had and then he started f- at number five. <laughs> <laughs> well, I got to thinking before we started talking, like, that's always a good place to start yeah. is at least having an idea. And it may be something broad. Like, for me, it was very broad. Yeah. Like my, my goal was not to be in the TV industry. Yeah. It was to be somehow in the outdoor space. Yeah. But the avenue to get there for us, and it's different for everybody, yeah. was, was through out yeah. film and outdoor television. Yeah. And 
that's a whole nother story, but that's literally how it, that was the gateway for us yeah. to get into the outdoor industry. Yeah. And it didn't turn, and it wasn't a full-time career at first yeah. by any means, you know? Right. Um, and so I think that even if it's a broad goal at first, at least have a roundabout idea of, of where do you want to see, you know, where do you see yourself three to five years? Yeah. My goal was broad whenever I, you know, left um, the job, the, the work that I was right. doing. My, my goal was to the point of being so broad, like, all I wanted to do was I wanted to do something that allowed me to do stuff I was good at, things yeah. that I had learned, things that not so much that you didn't have to think about to do, but things that you love so much that it was just, you just did it. Yeah. So I wanted to do that and I wanted to do something that allowed me the flexibility to be a husband and a dad because the yeah. job that I had before that was very, very time demanding and not very... In, in that particular time was not very flexible because of the demands of the job, you know? And so yeah. I, those were my two goals. I want to do something that I love that I'm good at, or that at least I feel I'm good at. Yeah. And then something that allows me to be a husband and a dad. You yeah. Know? And so, um, well, I think that's good. And I, th- and I think it's, it's okay to be broad. Some people get caught up in, yeah. I don't know exactly like what I'm going to do in three to five years. It's okay don't feel like you have to have that, but at least have a direction. Right. You know, of like you just said, you had a couple things. Mm-hmm. The, the actual job wasn't so much the target. Yeah. It, it was just, this was inside of my goals of what I want to achieve, yeah. whatever the job is. I mean, I was willing to sell furniture. Yeah. Whatever, as whatever long as it took. made those other two things possible. Yeah. You know, I knew I was halfway decent at talking because I had done that for a lot of years. Right. And I figured I could sell stuff as well. You yeah. know, so... Um, anyway so moving on number two which was actually number one yeah we'll start with that one this is this is uh <laughs> just to confuse all the note takers number two is actually number two but yeah. it's number one on the paper <laughs> and it's no specific order <laughs> all right so have a goal set a goal have, have a goal secondly secondly I, I jotted down just to be an observer and this yeah. is this is speaking from from a creative standpoint yeah. but it applies to a lot of things yeah um I feel like creatives are great observers. Yeah. Well, um, I think that goes back to what we've already talked about, about Saved by the Bell. We're asking, why is it, yeah. why did it last so long? Well, we're observing what they did. Well, what did they do in that time? They created something that brought entertainment, yeah. that was relatable. Yeah. So we observed that. Yeah. You know? And so I think that's part of just being being better, is, is, mm-hmm. is being willing to observe. Um, I like to learn from people that are better than me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and as we find in our, our line of work, learning never ends. Right. Um, and if you ever stop learning, you're going to get passed by. Oh, yeah. By, by somebody. So I like to be an observer. I like to stay hungry. I like to feed um, their creative appetite. Mm-hmm. And I think that applies to whatever line of work you're in. If you're trying to be an expert in something, you've got to feed the appetite. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, if you think about it physically, if, if you don't feed the body, what happens? You get really skinny. <laughs> you get hungry, right? <laughs> or you get malnu- malnourished. There you go. Spit it on out there. I, I can't say it. <laughs> For sure. You we, get unhealthy. Yeah, you end up in, a, in an unhealthy place. Yeah. And so you've got to eat to, yeah. to stay healthy. And so, I mean, you could you could relate it to putting gas in your vehicle. You already right. talked about where you're headed somewhere. Well, you're not going to get there if, if you, don't you don't put have. fuel right. in your vehicle. You know, So the same thing applies. That principle applies. For what, definitely what we do in our line of work, mm-hmm. um, I don't I don't necessarily observe for the sake of trying to copy what somebody's done. Yeah, I think another way to say this is be an observer or be a learner. Yeah, you know, kind of the same 
same thing said differently and that's how you get better you know that's how you learn how you put yourself in a position to be what you want to be or do what you want to do yeah for example i remodel houses now because i learned how to change a toilet by watching the plumber (laughs) do it (laughs) and you think i'm joking but true story this is what happened anytime Anytime, and I don't know why I did this. Maybe it's just because my nature is to want to get better. Yeah. Anytime we would have to have somebody come to the house, it, I would watch them do what they were doing. My wife would be like, "You need to leave them alone. Let them do their job." I was like, "Babe, I'm learning how to do this. You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm learning how to do this. Yeah, for sure. So that one's definitely important. Um, number three, number two. However. Well, let me let's finish this one real quick. Oh, did you have something else? Well, on? I was going to say something. I don't think you even know this yet. I was talking to one of our clients the other day. And they were trying to learn to do something, not so that they could do it all the time, but because they wanted to be able to in case there was an emergency. Right. And uh, so I was talking to to her about it, and um, I was like, you know we don't mind to do that. She's like, yeah, I know, but you might not be able to do it in a pinch sometimes, and there's always a pinch. (laughs) You know what I mean? Yeah. And she mentioned uh, Dave Ramsey, how Dave Ramsey encourages people to always be in an environment of learning, you know? And uh, I was like, man, that's awesome, you know. Yeah. Not not that you're willing to do it. That is awesome, too. But that this particular individual wanted to learn it so that they could teach other people to do it. And they wanted us to teach them as yeah. well, you know. And, yeah. and so I think that that's one of the a key to success in creative, a key to success in life is be an observer, be, an, be a learner. Absolutely. So the next one I jotted down, and again, these are they're really not in any particular order other than, well, having, a, other than having a goal. <laughs> I will interrupt on that one and say that I do think that this this next one is a, you can be an observer, but if you don't do this next one, you're not going to go to the next level yeah. in whatever area. You yeah. know? So they do kind of, you got to do one to, to get to the second. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. So the next one, and I think this is probably one of your greatest traits that I know of, you get a lot of them, but this one's good, is be a problem solver. Um, so what's required, Cody, to be a problem solver? Um, I would say effort. <laughs> <laughs> I tell this to my children all the time, be a problem solver. They'll they'll come to me and, Dad, I need to do this, and I can't do that. And I'm like, cool, be a problem solver. Yeah. <laughs> you know, is I think sometimes they get mad at me, but what I one of the things that I see most often, and not just in my kids, but in people that I, I don't always say it like that. You know what I mean? Yeah. I'm not always like, all right, cool, be a problem solver. You know, yeah. I'm not a jerk right. all the time. But yeah. <laughs> I try not to be anytime. But one of the greatest things that I see when somebody actually learns to solve a problem is the the joy, the excitement, the sense of accomplishment that they have whenever they, they figure it out. They on figure their own. out. Like last night, my littlest boy, Maxon. He took a shower by himself, turned the water on, <laughs> used the soap, yeah, everything. Made your feet. By himself, dried himself off, picked his clothes and everything. And there were a few times he called on me, hey, dad, you see soap in my hair? <laughs> I was like, you got soap in your hair, buddy. You know, like, right. but he did it all from the beginning. And before he went to bed, one of the things that he said was, I did all that myself. It created yeah. a sense of accomplishment in him when he solved the which wasn't a huge problem, but when he when he accomplished something, but in his mind, yeah, yeah, in his five year old mind, it was a big deal that he turned the water on, that he got it to the right temperature, yeah. you know. When, it, and you see that in the human race too. Yeah. I mean, even when you're, if you start at a young age, or even if you're not, you can start at any time. But you see that sense of accomplishment in somebody mm-hmm. whenever they solve problems, no matter what their age is. Yeah, 40, and, and when you do that, and when you feel like. 
I'm, I, I don't know the science of it, but I'm sure that it releases a, some kind of endorphin or yeah. dopamine. Dopamine. Or what, whatever. <laughs> when you accomplish something that you initially thought was unaccomplishable or was an issue, when yeah. you fix it, there's something satisfying in that. That I, I don't know. Again, I don't know the science of all of it, but when that stuff kind of happens in your life or whatever, yeah. man, it motivates you to be better the next time, you know. And and so I think being a problem solver is huge. I think a lot of times it's it's way overthought, though. What I mean is, it's it's easy for us to say a problem solver or whatever, be a problem solver, but in actuality, what does that mean? Mm-hmm. And I think some sometimes people overthink that part of it. They think it's like for, let's say something. Maybe it's changing the oil in a vehicle. Yeah. Maybe it's whatever. And I and I'll be honest, even because we've talked about this this subject before. There's been times where I catch myself now, like I'll text you something about something or whatever, and I'm like, you moron. <laughs> you talk about this stuff all the time. Go figure it out yourself. You yeah. Know? And I think the the reality is in in the world that we live in. For the most part, every answer we need to know to anything is out there. Somebody's right. already ran across that problem. Yeah. Um, and, and we we constantly have to solve problems in our line of work. You especially do. Mm-hmm. Just stuff that's whether it's coding on a website or something. Um, and again, I feel like you're one of the best I've been around at somebody that does that. So what's your thoughts on overthinking it versus the actuality of solving problems? I think again, it goes. I think we even said this last week. It goes back to uh, a statement that had been mentioned to me years ago: "Too much analysis equals paralysis, and yeah. you don't do it." You yeah. know, I know it sounds goofy and yeah. cheesy, but again, every problem has a solution, yeah. and you can come up with that. You know, yeah. and so um, I think that that's the biggest challenge: is people don't think that they can, yeah. and they just need a little bit of motivation to know that they can yeah. and, and do it. You know. But Does that of, answer your question? Yeah, I think so. I think I think it goes back to what you said initially with effort and the fact that we have access to the entire world in the mm-hmm. palm of our hands nowadays. Yeah. Yes, it may take a little time, a little bit of research, whatever the problem is. Again, yeah. if it's if it's changing the radiator on a car, yeah. Or I'm not diving off into that. Yeah. Not that I couldn't know. Yeah. If I took the time to research it. Right. Um, and so. I'm kind of as, as I get older I'm getting worse about this I like to stay in my lane mm-hmm. and and not focus on something I probably don't need to be messing with mm-hmm. but at the same time the answers to everything are out there somewhere already yeah um, and 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 it comes down to just effort being willing to put in the time yeah and figure stuff out and find somebody that's already done it yeah. whether it's through a user forum yeah or it's just a Google search yeah. or it's YouTube or whatever I think the biggest enemy to humans being problem solvers is the culture of convenience that we have. Yeah. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Like I mean, think about it. Burger King, what is their commercial? Have it your way. Yeah. You know, all you have to do is tell them, I want Manny Spickles loves cheese. <laughs> and they make it that way. Right. You know, there's no, you, and I think that that's that kind of attitude where you can, and I'm not saying fast food is bad and I'm not saying convenience right. is bad because, I mean, we all know I'm thankful for convenience. <clears throat> Absolutely. You know? All of us are. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad, but what I am saying is sometimes convenience puts us in a place where not where we're not willing or maybe not willing is not the word, but we're not we're not doing the effort, putting in the effort that we're fully capable of doing because of the convenience, you know. Yeah. And I think if you're trying to get to a place of success in whatever field, whether it's creative or 
some other kind of thing, it you got to be willing to put in the work and skip the convenience. I mean, yeah, to some degree. No, I know? think that's a home run answer. What you just put out there because it's, people do want. We live in a microwave society. We know that. And it's easier to ask somebody that can mm-hmm. give you a quick answer mm-hmm. versus having to go research it on your own yeah. sometimes. But when it comes to success in whatever field you're in, you have a lot of value when you come on a team and people automatically know you're a problem solver. Absolutely. And some people, like even on our team, we don't know they're problem solvers until we get to work with them for a little while. Yeah. And a lot of them become problem solvers in time mm-hmm. because they might get hacked on. Yeah. For, for, but we all guilt, we're all guilty of... Oh, easily. Of, I mean, even today... We were we sent Nate and Drake went off on a shoot, and he asked me where this was at before he even thought about it. And I've done the same thing. Mm-hmm. When we all know, yeah, I mean, I did it last night. You could have Googled it on your maps yeah. as fast as long as it took you to ask me. Yeah, and he did it before I even gave him an answer. He yeah. went back. But I think we're all guilty of it because we're we're in that microwave mindset of we got to have yeah. it right now. Yeah, and you can tell me faster than me going and figuring out yeah. on, my, on my. And there's yeah. not to say there's not times for that. Yeah, and the, and again, it, like <clears> you said it's not necessarily bad either, especially in a team environment. Yeah. But when you have that characteristic of being a problem solver, then it does set you apart in the field of work that you're at, that you're going into because yeah. your superiors or whatever you want to call them will know, Hey, if I got something I need solved, this is the guy or the gal that I'm going to go to because that's just part of who they are, yeah. their nature, you know? And so yeah. being a problem solver really sets you apart. Absolutely. And I'll, I'll even go a step further with it before we move on to the next one and say, if you're a problem solver and you're good at it, you'll never be looking for a job. I agree. I mean, you always have a place somewhere if you can solve problems, you know? Yeah. Would you agree? Absolutely. 100%. Listen, for the last two years, I've been wearing the heated core line from NUMA. Call me soft if you want. Fact is, I'm not interested in being cold when I'm up against freezing temperatures in the woods. And this is not just another base layer. It's next to skin warmth, powered by a lightweight lithium battery. It provides constant and efficient heat to warm your core, and yet you still have complete freedom of movement. If you're a hunter like me that often finds yourself in cold scenarios, this one is a game changer. The Iconics heated core vest and the heated core pant have allowed me to comfortably hunt longer without all the extra bulk. Head over to NumaOutdoors.com and use code TOUR12 at checkout. That's T-O-U-R-1-2, TOUR12, which provides an additional 20% off your next order. This offer is specific to the heated core line and is valid through March 1st of 2022. All right, moving on to the next one. Number four, or number three, however you want to look at it. Number five. You're confusing me. <laughs> I'm just doing that to throw your notes off. And everybody else's. Anyway, this is this is pretty specific to what we do, but it could apply to, to whatever is is create content you love. So we're, right. we're speaking to it from a creative standpoint because this is what we do every day. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for me, long before I ever made a dime, creating content i was doing it because i loved it right and i was intrigued by whether it was photography how could i get the settings on this camera to to, per, to to perform the way i saw somebody else use it in a photo whether it was lighting or shutters or iso or all yeah. the different things we could go down um and so um it comes down to just practice rather no matter what field you're looking to get into practice doing that type of stuff yeah you know for, yeah. us, for us it's easy because it's we're, we're carrying around a camera everywhere we go nowadays yeah. with phones you know yeah but um 
do something you love, the, the greatest teacher's experience, right? Yeah. I think a great example of that, and I think we've mentioned it before, but Nate on our team is a great example of, of this. Before he was ever hired to do this work, yeah, he was calling us to do this work. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he was using, I, I'd even go out on a limb to say he was buying the products that we were doing yeah you know so that he could learn yeah and that he could be valuable he was creating content that he loved but it was solving problems it was giving you know it was helping it was also content that we could use though so he wasn't just wasting his time either even though he didn't work for us yeah he was already already doing and you'd be shocked man which you wouldn't but a lot of people would we've we've hired nate clee drake um and you'd be shocked at the interview process with a lot of we had a ton of applications come in before this last hire and, and a lot of people had resumes, but very few had portfolios, right. meaning even an Instagram account yeah. to where they portrayed content yeah, that, that they, they would be doing if we were to hire them. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I think that's a, a, a huge deal is is get out practice doing what yeah. what you're if, if your goal in three to five years is to be doing whatever. Yeah. Start figuring out ways to do that. Yeah. If it's if you want to be a web designer one day or graphic designer, yeah. just start creating stuff. Go yeah. get you a Mountain Dew can yeah. and create a Mountain Dew ad. Yeah. You know? there, well, so years ago, you actually won an award, right? I did. For creating a commercial. And in that commercial, <clears throat> you used um, an animation software. Yeah. And that, was that the first time you'd used it? It was not the first time, but it was. I was very, very at the novice stage. Yeah. Yeah, so if we had a, there was, it was when Muddy was first formed. Um, it came out with a stand. It's changed hands probably a few times now. GSM owns them now. But at the time, they were brand new to the market and they put out this commercial competition. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, and I was like, man, it's just something fun to do. And, and I like competition if I think, I like competition if I think I can win. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought, man, I, I might have a chance at this because yeah. I've been playing around with it a little bit. And what I did was, is I'd seen a few commercials that come in and, and this was, this is honestly probably what gave me a leg up early on in our line of work was taking time to learn uh, motion graphics and after effects, at least the basics of it. Mm-hmm. And it's a never ending program. Oh yeah, it changes like, all the time like, and yeah, there's more you can do. You could have time. 10 year degree and there'd still be more to learn. Yeah. But <clears throat> at the time I knew I was wanting to be in this line of work. And I'd seen a lot of content and commercials and videos that people were creating. Now, there's obviously, even to this day, there's still people that do it way better than us. But at the time, I thought, you know, if I can learn this, I'm seeing a lot of commercials coming out for this competition, but none of them have motion graphics in them. Mm-hmm. It's just, and, and I learned something through this process is that editors and videographers are a dime a dozen. But if I could learn motion graphics, it separated me from a huge majority right. of potential competition down the road when it came to people that would be hired to create videos Mm -hmm. and so i went and learned uh, enough to get by and i did some green screen work which i didn't know nothing about green screening yeah but i researched it and did enough and i literally was in my garage and had fishing line hanging from the garage ceiling and had tied it onto this muddy tree stand and had it spinning around on a green screen with probably not even the best lighting Mm -hmm. (laughs) because there's no telling what lighting i had back then whatever it was it was cheap because i didn't have no money to buy nothing yeah but I did. I went and researched and and wanted to practice. If I didn't win, I didn't. It wasn't the end of the world. Yeah. But it gave me a project to go after. Yeah. And long story short, I ended up winning it. But the only reason I won it 
was because of what I did in After Effects and took the time to go learn the basics yeah. of motion graphics. So that kind of covers all the things we've already talked about, but also this create content you love. You know, if you love it, you're going to try to get better at it. Absolutely. And you're going to do it, you know. I, I think about this all the time, um, and I'll even ask you, what's what's like the com- one common denominator amongst our entire team? If you look at our entire team from all of our video guys, our photography guys, like you go down the list with, with Matt, Tyler, Curtis, Cleed, myself, you, Nate, Drake. Um, what is one common denominator that all of our team have have going for them? I mean, we all like there's to more hunt. than one. I mean, there's more. There's more than one. <laughs> I know. I'm just kidding. I mean, there's a lot. What What are you? What would you say that you're? I would I would say this. Every one of those guys will go and create content outside of work. Oh yeah, for theirself mm-hmm. because they love it. It may just be photography. Matt, when he goes on duck hunts, that dude's capturing footage. Yeah, he's capturing amazing photography. Why? It's because he's passionate about it. He loves it, mm-hmm. even beyond doing client work. Right, they love it and they do it. And so, not only is that keeping them passionate about, obviously they are passionate about the work they do, but they love it. But it's also kind of feeding the beast, so to speak. To, to drive them to be better at what they do. Yeah. Um, it's kind of, We call it passion work. Yeah. But I mean, how many times do you do something off the clock, so to speak, that you're like, oh, I didn't know I could do that. Oh, and yeah. then you apply it to what you're doing. All the time. Yeah, absolutely. All the time. And that's part of what, but again, we're, we're, we're in a field that we love, mm-hmm. but those same principles applied before we ever got to the field we love. So let we me, were doing that already. Let me ask you this question, Heath. Let's say you're not in a field you love. Obviously, you still need to be doing some of these things because it's going to make you a more valuable employee. Right. But how do you do that when you're in a field you don't love? Well, there's, and it's tricky because it, it, everybody's in a different place depending on, like you were talking about before, you were so strained with time. You didn't have time to do to be a great, a great father or husband and be doing all the other stuff that you wanted to be doing some mm-hmm. later, later down the road. So... I think you've got to pick and choose what what is realistic time that you can dedicate. Yeah, and there is sacrifice involved. Yeah, I don't. I call it sacrifice. There's sacrifice from a time standpoint because yeah. we've all got so much time. But I bet you, if we went down and, and and talk with every listener that's listening to this podcast, most of us have some hobbies. Yeah, there's things that we allocate time to that well, are not necessarily work. Let's say this: if you don't have hobbies, you need hobbies. Absolutely, because it's healthy for you as a yeah. human. <laughs> yeah, you know. But I think that's where you've got to you've got to kind of analyze your life and say, I spend X amount of time doing this, whatever yeah. it is. Could I take a portion of that time and start yeah. dedicating it towards my craft, whatever that is? Yeah, it don't matter if you're being a plumber. Yeah, you know, it don't matter what the fill in the blank for the job description that you want to fulfill someday. Yeah. But you've got to be able to sacrifice some time on the front end to get where you want to be. Yeah. I think that's huge because I know, I know several guys and even gals that want to do something, but they don't, there's very little investment, time investment to get them there. You know, they're looking for that um, silver bullet, so to speak. Like all of a sudden they're in the field that they love yeah, and you know you got even if you're not there yet, you still got to make that investment on some level yeah. to get there. You know, absolutely, because it makes you valuable. When somebody, I've told people this already in my life, um, just in my short life of working in this industry, who oh I want to do that, I want to do that. And I was like, well, you need to go do it if you love it. Yeah, why? You know, I'm not getting paid for it. And I was like, well, yeah. then you don't really love it. Yeah, you know. And then I tell them, 
if you love it and you're already doing it, you're much more hireable. Absolutely. Like if somebody comes to me and says, or if we're looking for a, a, let's say a photographer, videographer and and an editor, you know, if somebody comes to me and says, I want to do that. And I know that they've been putting in the effort and the time. It's much easier for us to say, that's the yeah. guy or the girl. Well, and there's know? another level of that too is from our standpoint and for the person that we would look to hire, we want what's best for them, number one, mm-hmm. and then we also want what's best for our company. And what's best for our company is to hire people that absolutely love what they do. Yeah. It's not just a job to them. Yeah. You know? I mean, the old adage, stand strong here, the actions speak louder than words. Yeah. You can tell me you love it all day long, but until I see it, I don't know if it's true. Yeah. You know? And that is true. <laughs> you know? And so, yeah. uh, actions speak louder than than words. Yeah. So, if you love it, do it. Yeah. No and matter that, what. And that applies to whatever. If you want to get into accounting, start hanging around with people that yeah. do accounting and learning. Yeah. Figuring out how to manage yeah. dollars or whatever yeah. you want to manage. You know? I mean, realistically, no matter what you want to do, there is a nonprofit organization somewhere that could use your skills. Absolutely. You know, and so there's somebody somewhere that could use what you love. And so find a way to use it, you know? Yep. All right. Last one. So yep. we've had, we've have, have, have a goal, a, have a goal yeah. be an observer, be a problem solver, create content you love or, or do what you want to do. Yeah. It's another way to say it if you're yeah. not in our line of work. Yeah. And then the last one, and this is something we're, we kind of hone in on here at our work, is yeah. is live in a culture of critique. And I think this is one that people don't even want to do because it's sometimes people, difficult. People don't like this one. Yeah. They really don't. And, and you can learn pretty quick just by a conversation or two, people that are okay with it and people that are not. And so let's talk about culture of critique. Why do you think it's important? Because at the end of the day, nothing we do – in our line of work specific, I'll speak to our line of work because I can speak for us, is is about us. Right. It's about serving our clients, mm-hmm. providing the very best that we can, not even individually, but the best we can from our team. Mm-hmm. And so the reason it's important is because at the end of the day, we want to put out the very best that we can, whatever the work is, no yeah. matter if it's a website, if it's a video, a commercial, if it's a TV show. Um. And so the way we get there is by all having input on that. Now, this can be taken out of too far at times, too. You mm-hmm. don't need 37 people because you're going to get 37 different ways to yeah. accomplish something. Yeah, and we've had some of that, you yeah. know, where you had a very large group of people trying to critique something, then it never gets accomplished, you yeah. know. And so you got to have the right, the right mix in that. Not necessarily saying all 37 people don't need to see it, but they yeah. need to see a different version than the first person or the first group yeah, sees. Yeah, you know? and so our, our mindset is is, and I I tell guys just with Drake even that just came on with us, just expect to live in a culture of critique around here. That's mm-hmm. what that's how we operate, and it's so that we can best put out the best end product that we can for mm-hmm. the client, and and I and once you start living in that world you don't want to go without it. Yeah. One, you're not carrying all the responsibility anymore on yourself. If the client hates it, it's not just on you, yeah. our whole team. So before we put out anything to a client, it's been proofed to the hilt on our side before mm-hmm. the client ever sees it. There may be three or four revisions on a commercial mm-hmm. before the client ever saw the first cut of it because we operate in that culture of critique. And the reason for that is because again, we want to put out the best that we can. Yeah. And, as, as hard as this may be to swallow for, for some people, we're stronger together when all of our minds are working together. Right. 
versus just just spitting something out and saying here take this client and yeah. hope you like it you well know? the other the other aspect of that too is whether you're in the creative industry or or whatever industry maybe you're maybe you work in one department there's another department that that department answers to usually right yeah. so your department might think it's awesome and then it gets to the next one in our our field that would be the client yeah and the client hate all the critique <laughs> you put into it and critique it again yeah and you hate it yeah you know you have a choice right then. I can either have a bad attitude and not not do the work, yeah. Or you can have the right attitude and say, well, maybe they know better what they're trying to accomplish, yeah. And give them what they want. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So critique it, it goes very deep. Yeah, very deep. And and I love it. I, I go back to once you start living in that world, I don't want to put anything out mm-hmm. that at least our upper management hadn't seen. Right. You know, um, because again, I want and me and you do this on a daily basis we're mm-hmm. always critiquing each other's work and it's not because we don't think each other are good at what we do right we obviously wouldn't be doing it if we weren't decent at it but it's because we want the best product we can to go yeah. out and the problem though is and this is probably something that needs to be discussed is a lot of people can't handle critique because they take it personally right and and in our line of critique, what we critique is not, we're not creating or critiquing someone's personhood. Yeah. We're critiquing the work that's being done yeah. in an effort to get, and I see this all the time, especially with young editors, young photographers, um, young videographers, whatever. If, if somebody critiques something, they get all bent out of shape and think, golly, I, I suck. Yeah. Like I don't even need to be doing this. They yeah. just crucified my work. Yeah. Well, that's not really the case at all. Yeah. It's part of the learning process, especially with our young guys. I mean, eventually, when you get to doing things as long as we've been doing it, um, it's probably going to be decent when we put it out the first cut, yeah. whatever it is. But it doesn't mean we don't still want critique. Yeah. But I have seen over and over, especially with graphic designers, man, I, I learned this lesson a long time ago, man, to not attach feelings to my work. Yeah. And that's kind of, I do, I do attach feelings to because I'm passionate about it and I want... But what I learned, I learned this years ago, <clears throat> I was doing a job uh, for Merck, huge company, and I'd put together this video. It had all this animation. It was in the cattle industry and, and this and that. I thought it was one of the best pieces I'd ever put together, and I sent it out to the client, and this was a, a, one of the biggest clients I'd ever worked to this day. It's still one of the biggest clients I'd ever worked, I've ever worked with, and man, they ripped me a new one. Yeah. And I was like, at first, I was like just gut punch you know i was like holy cow i don't know if i well they come back with the revisions that they wanted which was about 10 times simpler than what i just spent doing all this animation work and motion graphics and all that and at the end of it i I was like this is terrible Hmm. but at the end of the day i had to realize they're the client yeah they're paying the bills and at the end of the day i want them happy right so i sent back the video done exactly to spec like they asked and they absolutely love it and i still to this day i'm i was like that's garbage <laughs> but you know what i got a paycheck yeah <laughs> because and i learned that day that that and you can attach feelings in our line of work because everything we do in our line of work is opinion based yeah like we're we're artists at the end of the day creating something and what I like, you may not like, and right. vice versa. And at the end of the day, the only the only voice that really matters is the client. Yeah. Because we have to keep them. And, it's a, and that's not to say you're not going to give the client advice and this is why you did it this way or whatever. But at the yeah. end of the day, their vote matters most. Yeah. Well, I, a great point to that. A couple of weeks ago, I was talking to <clears throat> one of the clients that we work with. And we were actually going through one of the projects. 
And uh, they were like, why is this even on here? Why is that on here? You know, like they were ready to cut a bunch of stuff. And they just needed the explanation as to why it was on there. You yeah. know? So the critique, it it opened up opportunity. And they ended up being like, that makes total sense. You yeah. know what I mean? So critique, it, it opens up opportunity. I want to ask you a question because you, you said don't take critique personal, right? And a yeah. lot of people do that. But what if critique is personal? You know, what if your boss or somebody on your team comes to you with a personal critique, you know, like your uh, attitude is not good or the way you talk to, you know, the people that you're working with needs to change because sometimes that will happen, you know, no matter where you work, there will be opportunity for critique to, to actually be personal. So how do you process through that? As you, as you look at this culture of critique as a good thing, how, yeah. do, how do you handle that? It's, t- it's twofold. So there's the leadership perspective of it, of whoever the leader is critiquing. There's a point that could be made to that as to how you critique people. Mm-hmm. That's huge. If you're a leader of any organization, how you handle that. And, and, and we see this big time, especially from it's something as simple as people from the South and people from the North. We see how people critique differently. Right. And it's interesting to see how people from the North and people from the South respond to that differently, mm-hmm. you know? And so I think that aspect of it is important, how you communicate their critique. If the leader is communicating it from a standpoint of, I care about you enough to tell you the truth. I want to see you be successful. These are the areas I think you need to personally work on. And this is why mm-hmm. I go back to our, our good mentor and a pastor friend of ours. He always used to say, why is king? Yeah. You have to be able to explain the why. Don't just tell somebody to do something. Tell them why. Yeah. Why does so, so they can calibrate in their head why this makes sense. Mm-hmm. And, and sometimes it gets pretty heated, not necessarily in our, our line of work. I mean, it could, but if people take it personal and they think somebody's just trying to get rid of them, Either they are, or or yeah. they're trying to, or they're trying to help them be better. Yeah. So there's that aspect of it, and then from the recipient side of it, I would say you've got to have a, a understanding of why they're telling you. Again, it goes back yeah. to the why. If yeah. you if you feel, and nobody can argue how you feel. Yeah. But if you feel like they're genuinely trying to help you because they want to see you be successful, that changes the way you respond to that. Versus if you think they're just trying to get you to move on down the road. I've always told people on a leadership side. If the people that you're leading know how much you care, you can speak to them with great candor. Yeah. You can just talk talk to them straight. Right? Yeah. That goes to the point that you just made. And then I would say to the recipient, be willing to look for the truth in the tough statements. Yeah. You know, it may not be a hundred, you may not feel like it's a hundred percent true, but if somebody's telling you something, there's a good chance that there's something that you need to adjust about. Yeah. that particular situation, whatever it might be. Yeah. I just thought that would be a good, uh, interesting no, question because, you know, if it's if it's a project, don't take it personal. But sometimes critique will be personal. Yeah. You know? When it's hard, and it's hard to balance the two, especially in our line of work for some people because they are so passionate about their work, um, especially with graphic design stuff and, and when you're creating something or maybe it's something as simple as a logo. Well, a logo design is not the simplest thing to communicate. Yeah. When you've got somebody, especially if you don't have any idea what they want and you send them five versions, you know, and they don't like any of them. Sometimes it is easy to take it personal because you poured so much into it. Yeah. You might come out with one logo that somebody might use and you might not, you may have to start over and they may not realize you've spent (laughs) 
hours and hours, days yeah. maybe, creating all these different logos, and they yeah. don't like any of them. So it can be hard to not take it personally. Yeah. And we did that years ago. We created, I think you did like five or six logos, did mock-ups of the logo on the, the right. different logos on the walls and business cards, like spent a lot of time on it. Yeah. And they came back and they're like, hey, this person's going to... This is the logo we yeah, use. You yeah, know? yeah. And we could have very easily said, <laughs> you know what I mean? But then they came back to us and said, this is the logo we're going to use, but can you make these adjustments to it? Yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and, then it's, and then it solidified the business down the road. Had, yeah. had we taken it personal. Yeah, we, we might have said, forget we y'all. We could have lost the whole contract. Yeah, but it wasn't like that, you know? Yeah. And that's because we have this non-attachment to the look I should yeah. say you know especially when it comes to project that's a great way to to kind of segue that is is if it's project based don't take it personal if it is personal and it's something towards your character receive it and and do your best you know to if you want to stay working for that individual yeah. I mean if that's your goal but even if you don't <laughs> want to stay working for that individual there might be something to it that can make you a better human absolutely <laughs> you yeah. know and I would say from the leadership standpoint too if if you're you know, up the chain in an organization or whatever. I've always taken topics like this. If I, if it's, if it's, if there's a personal attack on, on a, on an employee or somebody that we work with, I usually just file it away in the back of my mind. If it's a one-time deal. Yeah. If I hear the same thing from two or three people, then there might be a chance I might need to investigate it and have a conversation, yeah. you know, because a lot of time it's like anything else in the world. You're never going to make everybody happy. Yeah. Um, it's impossible. It's like it's a, some people are like, "Well, I ain't gonna try. I'm just gonna take everybody off." But that's, <laughs> that's not my uh, that's not the that's not the right <laughs> move either. But um, I do think, from a leadership standpoint, if you hear something two or three times about an individual, it might be worth addressing and seeing if you can't help that individual out. Yeah. But the way you communicate it is everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like. You know how it is. It's like treat it like your wife or your spouse. <laughs> how you say things are yeah. important, right? Right. And so, um, matter of fact, last night, I think I told you this earlier, my wife was looking at some stuff to wear at Vegas, and I was like, <laughs> I don't even get into conversations about clothing, typically. <laughs> and uh, I could have really messed up last night and been like, no, you look god-awful in that. Oh, Lord. <laughs> I could have said that, right? Yeah. But wisdom has told me over the years, you don't talk to women about their clothes like that. Right. You you re-strategize how you want to communicate that information. Yeah. And you could be like, and I think I did something like, it's okay, but I don't know that this is what the you want to wear to that event. You yeah. Know? And she was fine. She's like, all right, I'll just try something different. Yeah. But had I said, dear Lord, you look god-awful in that, I'm saying the same thing, basically, but not she really. might not have been going to Vegas with you. <laughs> but I'm just saying, I think you have to, communication is everything, yeah. especially in a culture of critique. Oh, yeah. You have to be able, like me and you can tell each other anything we want because we know at the end of the day, we got each other's backs. We yeah. want what's best for each other. And we have a relationship. If you're early on in a relationship, it's even more important how you communicate mm-hmm. things until you get that relationship developed to where there's trust that this person really is trying to help me yeah. with no strings attached. Yeah. You know, so I agree. love it. Anyway, that's a long way of getting around. And, and there's, there's obviously more when it comes to just having success in, in business. There's a lot of things we could go down. These are just four or five things that just kind of popped in my mind that we kind of live by yeah. on a daily basis. Yeah. Before we wrap the conversation up, give us those five things and just boom, boom, boom. So have a goal, be an observer, be a problem solver, create content you love and live in a culture of critique. Very good. You like it? Yeah, I think it's a great conversation that applies to everything. A lot of different things. Yeah. 
Everything. You know what I'm pumped about, Cody? What's that? Next week, <laughs> the Whitetail Gospel. Yes, sir. Where the truth is always changed. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this has been a fun conversation, man. <laughs> All right, man. Let's wrap this thing up. Until next time, peace out and God bless. Hey, guys. I hope that you enjoyed that conversation. And if you're enjoying what you're hearing here on the Tour 12 podcast, we'd love for you to do us a favor, a huge favor. In fact, all you have to do is go online, go to iTunes, jump on your podcast app, and give us a review. This is why it's important. Throughout this year, we're going to give away products, hats, t-shirts, and a lot of other free things from our sponsors. And the only way that you can be registered to win any of that free stuff is to give us a review. Listen, I love free stuff. Heath loves free stuff. And I know that you do too. And we want to share some of that stuff with you, our listeners. We can't thank you enough for listening to the Tour 12 podcast. And we hope that you're taking steps every day to live your passion in business, leadership, and life. Again, thank you so much for being a part of the Tour 12 podcast.